Let's keep this party going. What now, huh? Wanna hit the clubs? Oh, 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 oh. Vegas. No, 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 no. Even better. Dubai. <gasps> Jeanette, make us a Dubai. <laughs> kind of feel like maybe we should wind down, hubba. No, no, you can't do that. Can't stop moving. Can't stop moving. I stop moving, I'll start thinking. If I start thinking, I'll start thinking about things I don't want to think about, like death. Oops. I'm thinking about it now. Um, yep, thinking about death again. Oh, I know. Jeanette and I have been taking uh, samba lessons, huh? Let us show you how to do it. When you have a song stuck in your head, like really ingrained, stuck in your head, just mm -hmm. jammed in there, where do you fit on the blessing to curse scale for that phenomenon? Do you like a song stuck in your head? I don't mind it. I make it miserable for everyone else, but I don't mind it myself. It's normally a song that I like. I'm going on at least a week of having the same song stuck in my head, and I do really like the song, but it is starting to drive me a little crazy. I'll listen to like a two-hour podcast, and I'll mm -hmm. be singing the chorus of it out loud the entire time. Wow, what song is it? It's a great song. Is it one that you may have shared on your Instagram story yes, recently? Yes, I've had Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's <laughs> Child just ingrained, interlocked in my brain. And it's a phenomenal song, but I'm going on like day 11 and I'm going crazy. Now, Zach, I, and this is not to cast aspersions towards you, but sometimes oh, no. you can be a little bit late to discovering some music. Yeah, I that just was... heard about this band, Destiny's Child. <laughs> Let me put you to bed quick on that because I am a man of culture. I was watching season two of Glee. I knew Darren Chris <laughs> sang Bills, Bills, Bills at Dalton Academy with the Warblers. I knew that song. Wow. You even got me there. What brought it back into your life, Zach? I think they might be Giants because they have a cover of it. If you look nice. up that song on Spotify, it's Destiny's Child, Glee, and They Might Be Giants. Those are like the wow. three versions of it. Nice. I thought maybe it was Beyonce's Renaissance Tour kicking off. But it also had been at least a month since I had listened to it. I don't, it just came <laughs> back, and it's not gone away. It's such a good song. The trifling, good for nothing type of brother. Exactly. You can't say that. I assumed she was talking about her brother. Her Yeah, he's good for nothing. Her family brother. Hi, Steven. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you today? I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Hi, everyone. I hope you're great. I hope you're glad to be here. Welcome to Into the Time Knife. Zach, I know oftentimes within this uh -huh. time knife, time gets a little bit fuzzy and confusing. And this sentence is not true for the people listening, but... We're going to be butt to butt in less than 24 hours. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> we're going to see each other. So you heard us talk about it last week. And because we're in the time knife, we still haven't done our not ones thing. But I'll, I'll spare you because we plugged it last week. Steven and I are seeing each other tomorrow. We're going to be together for like two days. We're going to make some fun content, some spicy content. <laughs> oh, you got that right. We're going to hang out. I'm really excited. See, like, that's funny because usually when people say spicy content, they mean, they they're, mean they're only nude fans. only That's what fans. I'm saying. Right. But for us, it works on a multitude of levels. Because we will be nude. Yes. <laughs> Which I don't think it's going to be a good idea to put some of these hot sauces mm -hmm. all over our bodies. You're but... just not supposed to touch your face. So as long as we keep it below the neck, I think everything <laughs> We're else good is to in go. play. Oh, I think God. everything else is very much in play. I'm excited to see you. As silly as we get on the podcast, I feel like when we are in the same place as each other, we become this bumbling tornado of it's mess. It's worse, yeah. 
it every time, and I'm not trying to put too much pressure on it because maybe we won't, but I feel like it just happens. It's unavoidable. And yeah. I apologize in advance to whoever is within a two mile radius of the two of yeah. us because it's got to be insufferable. <laughs> I can only imagine being yeah. the family that accidentally got stuck behind us in line oh at my God. Disney every day. Like, I'm sure they were like, I'm never leaving my home again. They're like, these guys again? This <laughs> married gay Mount couple Everest in their mid-20s at Disney World are weird. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. We're going to start off the program by shouting out our $10 and up patrons at patreon.com slash can't disappoint podcast. Those people are Mary Baker Budisa, number one, always <laughs> Top in my heart on my list. She's number one, Mary Baker Budisa. We've also got coming in at number two, the poop number, Danny M. Lugo. Number three, Brian Thurman. And number four, Autumn Marsh. She's gone from my favorite to my least favorite, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Number four was cool in Kids Next Door. I guess. I, he was Australian, kind of. Kind of like Kids Next Door. It wasn't my favorite. Mm-hmm. I was much more into Billy and Mandy, so I don't really remember which one. So was I was which. the other side. I was much more into Kids Next Door than Billy and Mandy. Nothing against Billy and Mandy. No. Nothing but against kids next door. Just next door kid. Yeah, we can agree to disagree sometimes. Yeah. We can do it. Yeah, it's okay. Patreon, the basement, that seventies rewatch. It's on Patreon. It's going great. You can't disappear show every week. The bonus content we did when we did our Not Ones last week, that's on Patreon. Some cool, fun stuff you can only see there. And Not Ones is on YouTube, so you can go watch it if you missed the live stream last week. I'm assuming it went great and was a lot of fun, and we made a lot of new Patreon dollars. And this is the the last podcast we record before we become millionaires. Watch out, Mr. Beast. Zach and Steven Burger coming to an Uber Eats near you. Oh, my God. Okay, I want to go further because we couldn't just do a burger. What would our ghost kitchen serve and what would it be called? It, something something gross. Like, we couldn't agree on, on a food, so we just smashed whatever it's we both really wanted sloppy. together. It's yeah. really sloppy. I was thinking something with, like, some spaghetti sauce, but not necessarily spaghetti, but the spaghetti sauce is heavily involved. Okay, so there's two options on the menu. There's the Steven, where you get six <laughs> entrees. <laughs> and there's the Zach, where it takes two and a half hours to get your food, but you get something really thoughtfully curated to what you're feeling in that moment. Exactly, but the pro- the bad thing is with the Steven, it's all yeah. good, but you gotta eat all six. We sit and wait because for you're you trying to, to prove something to someone yeah. for some reason. I've never understood. I it, gotta beat them. Apparently, Joey it's bad Chestnut, I'm coming for your you ass. Do you know who Joey Chestnut is? Zach? Yes, it's the hot dog guy. I'm cultured. I know also Destiny's the lemonade child. guy. For some I know Why Joey both? Chestnut. I know all of the big names. How did they decide the two like eating things are? Who can slurp down the most glizzies and who Ah. can chug the most lemonade (laughs) is that a thing lemonade yeah i feel like there are others i feel like wings are a thing pie Pie, sure pie eating contest mukbang is very you know now it's not so much how many of this can i eat it's how much of this one type of thing can i take Mm -hmm. down yeah anyway it's like i bought 57 big macs how many did i finish how many big macs could you take down one after the other Am I doing this to try and eat a certain, like eat a lot, or am I just you are trying casually? to show off and you've got thirty minutes? How many are you taking down? Think about reasonably, it reasonably. If I'm really trying to like eat them, yeah, I think I could comfortably do five or six because I get two for a normal order. It's just so much bread. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think about that middle bread, pro and con? Pro. Middle bread. Pro, middle bread. Yeah. It helps me sop up. Because <laughs> eating two Big Macs is not enough, Zach. I also have yeah. to dip them in the McDonald's barbecue sauce. So I really <laughs> so am just gross. clogging my arteries. Oh, my God. My like dream, if I'm like nice and, and, and uh, got the munchies, give me two Big Macs, give me two spicy McChickens, and give me a large McCoke. And just the man's an animal. Put me into bed. Tuck me in. <laughs> they walk in and all of the employees at the Chicago McDonald's that can't speak English, like a chill goes across the room. They know they're about to make 12 sandwiches. He's here. <laughs> the 65-year-old woman just trying to pay for her kid's school books. Her grandkids' school books like has to get up from her chair that she waits in the back. She doesn't work other than when I arrive because they need her. Yeah, and there's the person working at the cash register whose toddler is also in the room at the nearest table <laughs> on an iPad, yelling loud. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Let's get into it. Do you want to talk about The Good Place? Is there anything else you want to mention? Um, no. Okay, we're talking about season two, episode five of The Good Place. It's chapter 18, Existential Crisis. I'm really fond of this episode. I'm excited to talk about it. I was wondering last week, I was like, is this the episode that I think it is? And mm -hmm. it absolutely was. And it brought me some of my favorite laughs in the show. And visually, one of my favorite moments of the entire series is in this episode. You're and talking it... about the the view of Jeanette in that dress? Auga. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really great episode and i think yeah. it does even better on a rewatch because yeah. we can appreciate the kind of slower down moments in this show more than we did when we were just so excited to see what the next thing is going to be i love this Absolutely. episode this is going to be maybe the biggest ted danson appreciation podcast we've done mm -hmm. yet what a performance. What a sitcom character. I think this is the episode where Michael truly transitions from like, oh, cool, Ted Danson is playing this character to being such a specific, iconic character of his own. Yeah. The, just another iconic character under Ted Danson's belt is crazy. And this episode, and, and the next two, but this one is the, the first, like, just put your foot down. This is who Michael is mm -hmm. at his core. And it's... It's so funny and it and it gets this episode gets like a little bit real at times, but in the funniest way. And it's and very sweet. It's this episode's very sweet. Very well, sweet. A lot it's of existential crisis. The episode's directed by Beth McCarthy Miller. Before this episode, she directed Tahani Al-Jamil in season one. Good episode. And in the one future, she the directs The Snowplow, A Fractured Inheritance, Employee of the Barami, and Help as Other People. Nice. And I didn't remember because we mentioned it last time we talked about her, but she's a name that's really big in television. She's directed all kinds of great shows. Mm -hmm. The episode was written by Andrew Law, who previously wrote What's My Motivation? And in the future writes Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By and Parts 1 and 2 of A Girl from Arizona with Cassie nice. Miller. This episode originally aired on October 12th, 2017. Hey and you know what time it is. We're going to give it some context. Mm -hmm. We're going to wrap some context around this bad boy. October 12, 2017. No repeats. We've got a new number one movie. We've got a new number one album. Wow. Let's see if you can figure them out. Let's start with the movie. Mm -hmm. Your hint is long-awaited legacy sequel of a sci-fi film. Dune wasn't out yet, which This means... is 2017. Dune came out two years ago, buddy. Yeah, 2017 wasn't two years ago? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, let's see. Long-awaited sci-fi sequel. 
legacy sequel. Which means Secondary hint, because I kind of want you to get this one. Uh-huh. It has numbers in the title, but okay. not in a sequel way. Okay, okay, okay. That's a pretty good hint if you're going to figure it out. You might not know. That does take out a couple of my potential guesses, which is good. It's not. I'll take you even closer. It's not the legacy sequel involving spaceships and J.J. Abrams, but it does include one of its actors. Okay. One of its legacy actors. Have we got Star Wars episode. Seven, The Force Awakens. That was. I literally just said it's not Star Wars, but it has one of well, the people I from also, Star you know, Wars in it. If you think that there's only one movie with spaceships directed by J.J. Abrams, you clearly haven't seen <laughs> that Star came Trek. out in 2017. That's fair. <laughs> no, it. Do you want me to tell you? Uh, is it something something Cloverfield Lane? Nope, no Cloverfields. It's got one Harrison Grumpy Harrison Ford in it, returning for Blade Runner 2048. Oh, that was number one in the nation. Good for them. 2049 or is it 2048? You know, on a 2040 is 2048 the iPhone the game. game. Yeah, so it's 2049. Is, that, is it? I wrote it? down 2049, but now I'm second guessing it. I think it's 2049. But you didn't get it. The number one album. Let's talk about the number one album. You know, Anna de Armas was in that Blade Runner movie. This is probably Academy Award nominee. The number Anna one de album. This artist is probably. As iconic as a currently touring and producing music mm-hmm. rock band can be in this day and age. Did you give me a genre? It's a rock artist. Rock I just artists. said it that, I think. That's fair. And they're I still think touring. I said it. Um, they're still touring. They're very iconic. A lot of people like them. They pl- they're going to play for huge crowds even today. I can think of, the only other hints I can think of are going to give it away. Yeah. Let's see. Who put out an album in 2017? that's still touring so it's not red hot chili peppers because you would never speak of them highly it's not Mm -hmm. you and i'm not crazy about this band they're not my favorite but i would say that they are well regarded yeah so it's not metallica foo fighters it is foo fighters it's not an album that i was super familiar with it's kind Mm -hmm. of one of their lesser known albums would you be able to guess what foo fighters album it was no no, the album was... It won a Grammy this year, I think, though. Concrete and Gold. The album might have won a Grammy this year. Or that year. Um, Dave Grohl put out a Bee Gees cover album that's really good over the last couple of years. It was I knew pretty that. Recent. I didn't listen to it, but I remember that. It was that. good. It didn't sound like my cup of tea, really. I love Nirvana. I should, on paper, love Foo Fighters. I like Dave Grohl for the most part. Mm-hmm. Their music's okay. It just it doesn't I do like, a lot for me. I don't love Foo Fighters. I think it's... They're it's fine. pretty good. They're it's fine. Pretty, okay the only hints i was going to come up with was that the guy from it was in an iconic rock band and that one of them died recently (laughs) shit r.i.p so back to the good place we've got to find out if steven really sucked in everything this episode Mm -hmm. had to give if if he's going to be able to get through this segment without spiraling into his own existential crisis steven you know what time it is you'll have 20 seconds on the clock to let us know did steven watch the episode watch the episode this this week you've got 20 seconds on the clock how are you feeling you know I think okay. For once, I didn't watch the episode at 3.30 in the morning, so I might actually have been coherent enough to retain some information. Is that what you always do? Watch Usually. it at 3.30 in the morning? Sometimes later. 
And how much later are we staying up after that? Is it the last thing you do before bed? One of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you've got 20 seconds on the clock. We're going to see how you did. If awake <sighs> Steven does better than sleep deprived Steven, mm-hmm. which you might be surprised, I feel. We'll see. I think that awake Steven is not to be trusted. If if anything, I've learned in my life. That guy's a scoundrel. Yeah. He's a real piece of shit. I'm going to count us down. On okay. go. Three, two, one, go. Vicky and the demons come up with a plan to torture everyone, especially Tahani, with a fake birthday party. Uh, Michael is in class with Eleanor and Chidi, but he doesn't take it seriously. So then he learns about his own existential death, has a crisis of existentialism, then has a midlife crisis. And then Jason and Tahani share a really sweet moment because Tahani is really sad because the demons plan works. Then Jason and Tahani fuck. And then uh, Michael. I think you did pretty good. I would have liked a little bit more... Mm-hmm. maybe specifically about the midlife crisis sure. and maybe a couple more words about Eleanor, mm-hmm. maybe her flashbacks or Eleanor. Yeah, I didn't get any Eleanor flashback, which was You didn't do important. bad, though. I think that's a B plus. I think that's a B plus. I think you did quite well. Thank you. Thank you. Easy breezy, cover girl. Easy breezy, beautiful cholera. I've got quite a few trivia questions this week, so I'm going to kick it off and we'll just see where the night takes us. Yeah, let's do it. When was Eleanor a bartender? When was Eleanor a bartender? Yes. That's not ringing a bell for me. Maybe uh, it wasn't in your episode. Should it, I just tell you? I'm going to give a she guess. Was, 2000. No, it's not that kind of when. She was how old when she was a bartender? Oh, I don't know. She was 11. Oh, when does that come up? She says something probably to Michael about... Well, I w- uh, you're being a pansy about the dying thing. I could handle being a bartender when I was 11. Whoa, I don't know, something I don't know like if that, that was in mind. That doesn't yours. sound okay. familiar to me. Well, we're off to a great start. What you got? <laughs> uh, how long should Michael's memos be from now on? A page with pictures? One Absolutely. Page? That's correct. That's correct, Zach. You got it. Let's see how you'll do on this one. What that's are one Jason- for Zach. Hey, Michael J., can you make sure you you put down those notes real clear for everyone? You know he's going to have trouble with that. That was a really rude thing to say. He's going to do his best. He is. We hired him just like we would anyone else, and we're not going to hold him to any lower standards. That's what there's a new documentary about Michael J. Fox that I I know. I saw the advertisement and I cried. Yeah, I'd like to see it. Mm -hmm. My next question for you: You can't escape it. What are Jason's musts for a rager? Oh my God, he's so Tahani's party. Uh, uh-huh. he's talking to Tahani and he calls Jason and he starts summoning things for the party because he's going to take care of it for Tahani. It's towards the beginning. A long list of things. That's not in mine at all. Uh, I'm going to guess. Uh, okay, sure. Cocaine. No. Close. A bear. No. Uh, alligators. Mm-mm-mm. Donkey Close. Doug. I'll tell you. His list is chips, salsa, tank of nitrous, treasure map, jet skis, <laughs> boat, water, those zappy panels for your chest. A big oh my snake, God. obviously, was the last one. That's not in That's so either. funny. That's not in mine at all. That's O for two. Damn. I would have thought good. for sure that was. Yeah. Um, mm. How long has a millennial been torturing people? A millennium. A thousand years. A thousand years. You're right. I thought I'd trip you up with that one. I thought you'd second guess it and be like, oh, I don't know, 2,000? <laughs> you thought I didn't know what a millennium means. Okay, That's great. true. <laughs> great. What party does Tahani have Janet base this one off of? Part of it is going to be the answer to my next question, but that's okay. Great. Great. It was Tahani's, well, she originally says my 2008 fundraiser in Zurich. And she says, wait, no, my 
2007. Was it for like the Red Cross or something? Right. That's Aid? really great. It was 2007 once she fixed the year fundraiser for the Red Cross in Zurich. Nice. I'm going to skip my next question because it was where was her 2008 fundraiser. Do you want um, me to give you another one? Or are you going? You're clearly going. Forget I said anything. I'm just, going. Just, go. just ride I'm with it, baby. I'm going down. Where was Eleanor's dog really? <laughs> in a duffel bag in the backyard. You're close. I'll, I'll give you another shot at the location. I don't know. In, in a duffel bag in the car still. Mm, in a duffel bag under the deck. <laughs> under the deck. I remember that now. <laughs> Which it doesn't sound like she buried it under there. Uh-huh. It sounds like she just threw it. Shoved it under there. <laughs> yeah. Like it's your bed and you are cleaning your room. Yeah. Yes. What flavor baby does Eleanor offer to fetch Michael? In my episode, she says, you want a big fat baby? So, she, then she, she says, what about baby. maybe a cool ranch baby? Would you That's like a fucking cool hilarious. That wasn't in my episode. <laughs> Three out of my four questions that I've given you so far, not yeah. in your episode. Great. I now know the secret is just to tell Zach they weren't in my episode. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> what ice sculpture was at Gunner's party? The one thrown by demons, to be specific. Oh, my God. I don't know. It was an elephant. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. What was Eleanor's dog named? Not in your episode, huh? This one might have been. I don't remember it. Uh, Mikey? First, the first letter is correct. Yeah, which makes me think of Mac, Mac, uh, Mac and Mac and Cheese, you're, Macaroni. No, you're so close. It's way Mac. simpler than that. Mac, Max. <laughs> there it is. Ding, ding, ding. One hundred percent, Stephen. <laughs> mm, don't think that was in my episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would Jason rate Tahani if she auditioned to be in his crew? An eight, which is the a highest. Per- a perfect eight out of thirteen. <laughs> Uh, what does mommy want a bottle of? <laughs> uh, this white. wasn't from the episode. I'm just saying. What did yeah. you say? Uh, mommy wants another bottle of white. But it goes past that in my episode. Does it it's not for you? The last word she says is white. Yeah. Then she's like, do I want this or Pinot Grigio? And oh then God. Eleanor starts to talk. She's like, make it Pinot. Mommy wants some Pinot. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was not in mine. What does Jason know how to make for breakfast? My last question. Cereal. Cereal. You did great, Zach. I've got five left. Ooh, you just shoot them at me. Not a one is in my episode. But go Open for your it. mouth. Get ready. <laughs> I'm going to shoot Mommy's ready you. for that <laughs> big old bottle of white you got. <laughs> I want you to tamper your expectations about how, how big the bottle of white <laughs> oh, Pinot Grigio, is. Really then. Gonna be. One of those mini bottles that yeah. come in a six pack. <laughs> What does Jason think that Michael snorted? Uh, Printer toner? Ink toner? (laughs) Lightning round. Where should Michael and Jeanette go this weekend? Dubai is the final answer. No, that's a different one. Fuck! Um, Good try. Sandals? San... San Juan, Puerto Rico. (laughs) San, you get one more try. San Antonio, Texas. San Diego. Ooh, the wrong San. (laughs) What lessons did Michael and Jeanette take? (laughs) Kite sailing. Samba lessons. Samba lessons. Oh, I should have gotten that That, one. That that was in your episode. Mm -hmm. How many members did Jason's dance crew have? 60. And finally, how old does Chidi say you are when you learn about death? Five? Really close. Take one more guess. Take one more crack at it. Six. Yeah, 100% correct. Don't think that one was in my episode. Couldn't have been. They didn't talk about death. <laughs>
Now, Zach, I think we did a pretty good job with each other's questions, the ones that were in the episode. Yeah. But we have you did okay. a communicum that has come to us, Zach. By way of stork, by way of raven, by way of dragon, mm-hmm. by way of imp. And it's it's made its way to my, my chamber door. It's been slid under... <laughs> Uh, covered <laughs> Ever in so gently, you were napping when so- it came <laughs> tapping, tapping at your <laughs> chamber, chamber door. door. Um, there was a lot of really hateful language on the outside of the envelope, mm-hmm. um, but it also smelled like perfume. So I don't, I don't know, but I'm going to open it. Uh, it's it says on the outside. Let all that powder fall out, then see what yeah. it says. <laughs> it says grievances from an OG Patreon. I'm assuming oh. they mean patron. Um, it says, hi, podcast heroes. Can't be for us. Wasn't in the episode. I like the start of this. Yeah. Okay, heroes. Wow. Love you both, and I'm uh-huh. so proud of what you are doing with this love podcast. This. I love The Good Place, and it's by far one of the best written shows I've ever watched. Kudos. So it's far, I'm loving this message. Yeah. Now to my list of grievances. Oh. Uh-oh. Okay. <sighs> Number one, I have not been invited to appear on this podcast I have lots of good quips to share, so... You dot, said dot, who dot. it was, right? I did not yet. I have not unveiled okay. who it was. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you take. I'll let you unsheathe when you're ready. Yeah, Take it you. out on your own time. Whip <laughs> it out when you're ready. Uh, number two. Uh-huh. This will kind of give it away. Remember that Mama Bear is always listening. No, that can be, so, that can be a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> did Steven, or did he not, confess that he came to A-Town and didn't stop by to give me a hug? It's true. It's true. Three, never reveal anything less than the absolute sweetest things about my future daughter in love, Danny. She must be talking about you, Zach. I think she spelled your name wrong. Yeah. Uh, Steven, don't share her idiosyncrasies on the pod, faux pas. Uh, I think she's referring to when I outed Danny for Mm -hmm. taking off her shoes on planes. That's not great. That's pretty bad behavior. Do you want to out her further? Does she have stinky feet? Um, not (laughs) when we fly. Because that's the big thing. Yeah, like it's not, not great to take your shoes off, but if you have stinky feet and you know it, and you we're take both your shoes professional off, dance instructors, so at the end, so of your the feet day, are just trashed. <laughs> yeah, but in the morning they're okay. Okay. Um, and number four, hot ones. Uh, for legal reasons, it's called not ones, but we appreciate uh the message. Um, your colons are not going to thank you when you're older. My colon doesn't thank me now, so My I think colon's that taken up pounding. It'll be fine. <laughs> Now to the questions. (laughs) Okay. And there's nine here, but due to a phone conversation with my mom earlier today, she originally had 32 and then edited it down. And I was like, Jesus. Oh, my God. And we would have gotten all 32 wrong, knowing us. If any listeners listened to our our community podcast, we're not very good when other people ask us questions. Mm -mm. Um, We're not great at it. Period. No. <laughs> okay, what really you got? Bad. Okay, question number one. Who came up with the idea of how to torture Tahani? It was not a, Gunner, not Vicky. It was the other the one. The other guy, I don't whoever know his Tahani's name. old. I don't know his name. Soulmate was. Soulmate, yeah. Two, what is dying called for demons like Michael? Retirement. Retirement. Easy. And then under what circumstances would Michael die? Um, if he royally forked up, I believe is what. They or say. is she wanting it described what retirement is? Well, that's part B. Okay. What happens to Michael? Well, that's when from he a dies. previous episode. It involves his essence being ladled onto different suns, multiple suns, some every, other stuff. Like, microbial. Yeah. 
What does Eleanor offer to bring Michael to cheer him up? A baby, a cool ranch baby, if you watch cool, the right episode. And, and here's what's going to give you a point, Zach. It was The secondary the question is what flavor? A cool ranch baby. So it must be cool ranch. And I only heard you probably fat. use your mom's whatever to watch this, right? I sure do. <laughs> um, how did Eleanor's dog die? Uh, it, it overheated in a car. I don't know how it died, but I didn't know the cars got that hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the dog's name? That would be Max. Mr. Max. Maximilian, hey also yo. in the episode. What is the party the demons are throwing supposed to celebrate? Gunner. Gunner's it's his birthday. birthday. Mm-hmm. And what is the theme? Animals. <laughs> and then why do they choose the theme? Gunner was an animal, animal rescue rights? something. Rescue activist? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Paw Patrol. Uh, number six, name three things you can do for fun at the party. There's hungry, hungry hippos with hippos. There's a ball pit with puppies. With puppies. Uh, you can fly like a falcon. You can be in a kangaroo's patch. Be in a kangaroo's pouch. There's four. Yeah. Crushed What it. cologne Crushed is Michael it. wearing a lot of? Dracar Noir. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that stuff great? Yeah. Big fan. Um, what is Michael's tattoo? And I it felt says personally attacked by this. China it says Japan, Japan. It says Chinese. Japan and Chinese. And I was like, same. <laughs> What are the criteria for judging new members for Jason's dance crew? Okay, there Freshness, were five. Freshness. Dance, dance ability. Good. What was the good looking one? Good bodied. Good bodied, maybe. I'll, I'll buy it. Dopeness. Dopeness was one. Smart brains. Smart brains, yeah. There's five. I think we got There's at least five. one of them wrong. Okay, let's see. Who came up with the idea to torture Dahani? His name is Winston. Uh-huh. We got everything right with question two about Michael being retired. Uh, number three, a big fat baby and cool <laughs> ranch was the flavor. Uh, Eleanor's dog died. Mom left him in a hot car. His name was Max. Uh, we got everything right about Gunner's birthday. He was an animal rights activist, so Paw Patrol. A ball put full of puppies, fly like a falcon, sit in a kangaroo's pouch, ride a unicorn, pet a live bear. Jacar Noir was the cologne, Chinese symbol for Japan, and then rating categories for audition. Dancing, coolness, dopeness, freshness, and smart brained. Was there not a, a good body one? There was not a good body. <laughs> that was you added that original. Huh. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for the email. Mary Baker Budisa, friend and mama bear of the podcast. Thanks for writing in. Hug your mom next time you're in town. I'll do my best. And give me a call once in a while. You never take me dancing. <laughs> Why don't we go on a real date? Thanks for the email. If you want to email us for future episodes, give us your trivia. Give us who you think should go into the good and bad place for each episode. Timeknifepod at gmail.com. What are your thoughts on this episode? We talked about it a little bit already. What did you think watching it this time? I think this episode was great. It was a lot of fun. I think it's very, very funny, too, which is good. And... I think one, I the, the strength of this show is being able to be incredibly funny while having a compelling story and having heart behind it. And this episode totally. checks all those boxes. Totally. There's a teenager rage gaming in the room directly below my floor. Nice. It's, it's very loud. I don't I'll know. Maybe you can get a little taste of it on the podcast. You'll you try to keep it down. the new Legend of Zelda game? That's true. He's really upset you can't pet the dog. <laughs> I think this is a really good episode. I think it's an important stage setting episode. I think it does a lot to continue to build this group as a team, considering how little this version of the team has been together. Um, I think it does a lot for Michael's character. It makes him suddenly the funniest character on this show if he wasn't already. It's a great Jason episode. I think Jason Mm -hmm. is so funny in this episode. Let's talk through it. I think it was great. Let's do it. 
Vicky and her cronies are really confident about how things are going so far. And that's kind of what makes it easy for Michael and the humans to get away with what they're doing and for Michael to kind of go unnoticed as he goes through what he goes through in this episode. And that's where we start off this episode, that Vicky and Gunner and whoever the other guy is are at Michael's desk. Marvin? Vicky Martin, with her, Martini? With, is his name Martini? I, th- I want to say Chowder. Chowder. Is it Chowder? Mm-hmm. Vicky has her feet kicked up and talking about their ideas for torture that are so second grade for Michael, who is thinking <laughs> 20 steps ahead. And they're pushing Michael to a smaller and smaller role. He comes with these really long reports on what's going on. And they want it to be like a page with some pictures and just leave everything else to them, which works for Michael because he doesn't really believe any of this anyway. Yeah. They've made this plan to torture Tahani with parties. It's very season one. They're going to have Tahani plan a party without knowing that someone else is planning the real party and it's going to blow hers out of the water. And it's actually, instead of being a repetitive story for Tahani, it's Mm -hmm. really satisfying the way that it doesn't matter that Tahani knows what's coming this time. It still drives her insane. It almost kind of makes you wonder, like, would these demons have succeeded better than Michael? Is Michael's plan overcomplicated and that's why it keeps failing? Well, it's both because Michael's right in that they're pretty much just doing his stuff over again. Yeah. I'm sure they'd still figure it out eventually. But at least everyone's more on board when it comes to Vicky's. Like, nobody's... Mm -hmm, It's true. I don't know. It's interesting. So Michael tells Tahani and Jason what's going on. I like he's talking about how simple their plan is. And he says, that really tugs my nuggets. (laughs) <laughs> I think is a really funny bit. And he talks about millennials in Michael's world. It's these millennials that are driving him crazy. People that have only been torturing people for a thousand years. Which doesn't make sense if Michael's people just existed for forever. But whatever. Well, maybe not it's all of them millennial did. Joke, I guess. Eleanor shows up for an ethics class. And she comes in and she talks about them. And she asks if demon is the right word to call Michael. Do you think it's funny to have... Ancient old Ted Danson say, don't call me that, it's racist. I think it yes. plays, but I'm I not. I think it's the, very funny. Yeah, I think it's funny, too, the way he delivers that line. Is that what we should call you, demon? Well, I mean, it's not really accurate, and we consider it to be a little racist, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. How often do you find yourself thinking or saying that? That when something happens, you're like, yeah, that's a little racist, but it's fine, I guess. Is Less daily, than I weekly? used to. That's now good. it's more so just, that's racist. You say it, just call it out how it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Have you ever had to call out a person that you're teaching for being racist? Not anyone that I'm teaching, no. But I have, I do know of other teachers that have had to do that. Damn. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Michael's calling it out. He's woke. He'll call out racism when he sees it. He's part of the woke mafia so they start to have their ethics class jason and tahani aren't there because they're off being fake tortured and chidi doesn't get to do any teaching in this episode because michael immediately goes into how pointless this is for him being an immortal being this means nothing to him all of these silly lessons he has a lot of really funny lines here he wants to focus on getting to the real good place. And when he's talking about the writings that Chidi's teaching, he's like, it's all stupid garbage. <laughs> and he's like, so what? You think Socrates and this and this and this, that they're all dumb? He's like, yeah, they're all dumb-dumbs and terrible writers. <laughs> it's funny. He just brutally takes them down. And Michael's human impression is super funny, too. Yeah. 
I love like, it. Like, oh, let me get into human mode to think about what you're talking about. Oh, my 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 f- mouth to my my food tube and my breathing tube are next to each other. And he said, "Oh, I have little sticks stubs at the end of my fingers, <laughs> at the end of my hands." It's really funny. Mm-hmm. Jason and Tahani are preparing for this party that's supposed to fail from the beginning. This is the moment when Jason calls Janet to get his classic rager items because Tahani's at first like dejected. She's not feeling like she can do it, so Jason offers to do it. A big runner in this episode is Jason somehow in this reboot after being so cold to Tahani in the original reboot mm-hmm. is really in tune with how she's feeling in this episode yeah. and really has a way of very simply making her feel just a little bit better throughout the episode. What do you think? Which kind of shows that if Jason had just tried to communicate with her, they probably would have gotten along fine the first time around. Yeah. He talks up to Hani here, her her party skills, and how it's like how he's the best at getting water bottles to stay on the roof of a pizza, <laughs> a pizza hut. hut. That's how Tahani is with party planning. And Tahani comes up with a plan, of course, to like drive one into the demons and plan a party that's even better than the one that they're planning to be better than her party. I thought it was funny when Tahani is like, well, does Vicky have the the poise and the this and this that I have? And Jason isn't listening. He says, yes, she does. Yes, she does. No, she doesn't. <laughs> that whole scene was really funny. It was cute. I, I like getting to see Jason and Tahani together in this reboot because they don't have any pent up ill will towards each other because yeah, they weren't absolutely. soulmates like before. They don't have the same she feels neglected and unseen by him and he feels like she's just bossing him around all the time because they don't have that. I think it really makes a really natural friendship. And also Tahani is a little bit dumb, stupid in the same way as Jason. She just Mm -hmm. very much doesn't know it. Yeah. Just her whole thing here on getting caught up on out planning the other people it's just doing what she's supposed to pretend to be doing yeah it's really funny she's gonna make the event too much and asks janet to model it after one of her top events and tahani has this really cute like wicked little laugh at the end of this scene where she's like ha 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 about (laughs) her parties and it made me laugh every time meanwhile eleanor's talking to chidi about how she's gonna maybe be the velociraptor of the ethics class because nobody else is really funny really funny line she says are you trying to say valedictorian no (laughs) I think Eleanor has some good little like one-liners in this one because like she says like she is the best student at this point and Easily. so she's like just kind of vibing <laughs> and I think it's really funny to see her in this position whereas instead of the one who is needing the most help she's trying to make sure everyone else gets the help and I like yeah. that. Yeah, I do too. Michael can't latch onto any of the ethics ideas because he's immortal. Chidi's starting to put that together here. And he feels like before he can teach Michael to be good, they have to make him fear death, basically. They have to make him aware of the idea that his existence could end, which isn't something he's really had to face before. He's talked about retirement, but Michael's always been so cocky and confident that he's like, they're never going to catch me. But he's not that many steps away from having something like that actually happen because he's really Mm -hmm. rebelling against the system in, in this part of the season. So Eleanor, there's a really iconic line between Eleanor and Chidi here that's been used for memes a lot, where Eleanor's talking about... That's what you used to think about? I used to think about how it's weird. They don't make pants that are just one big pant leg for both your legs. You mean a skirt? No. You're not getting it, and my thing is different, so shut up. That's (laughs) a meme trend where people be like, no, what I'm saying is different, and you're saying it wrong. Really funny. 
So Michael re explains retirement to them, and I thought it was really good continuity that it's literally the exact same speech that he gives yeah, last season. I thought that the was exact good. same thing. That's not just him being ethereal and speaking largely about what could happen. That's like literally that's literally what, what it is. That's what <laughs> happens to all of them. And because of Michael's plan that he's doing right now, retirement's a real option, and Chidi helps this sink into Michael, and Michael's slow realization of what's going on, and Ted Danson's performance here is so iconic. The noise he makes, the home alone face that he makes, so and then good. falling into Chidi's lap, and what does he says? He's like, Huh. So, you're saying I would be... No... Me? (laughs) And this pleases Chidi, but he doesn't know what he's just taking the lid off of. That's the big thing of the episode. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this being what the whole episode is about? Do you think it's worth the whole episode? How do you feel rewatching it? I do because I think that we as people kind of take for granted the fact that we're aware of our own mortality and a lot of even intelligent mammals aren't necessarily, at least to our knowledge, aren't in the same way. And that's kind of scary. And I know people firsthand that have like, even in their twenties started freaking out so much about dying that it like changed their life for the worse. Hmm. And so it's like a thing that people can like kind of lose their shit if they really tackle their own mortality. There are things all over this episode that make me think about my outlook on death more than most of this show has so far. Mm-hmm. And that Absolutely. was really interesting. There's a lot to chew on from that perspective. Even if there's not as much zany, otherworldly shenanigans in this one, mm-hmm. it really does make you think about death and how, I don't know, we'll talk about it later, but Eleanor's speech to Michael at the end of the episode is, is particularly ringing true yeah. to me these days. Absolutely. <laughs> then Eleanor's saying to Chidi, dude, you broke Michael, but... Chidi, he says the thing. He says existential crisis in this moment. He says the Mm -hmm. title of the episode. He said the thing. What Michael's going through is normal, and he'll work through it. This is his first step towards ethics and towards kind of being a little human and and learning about life. Or he'll be a lifeless shell of misery, dooming them all for eternity. (laughs) So Eleanor tries to help Michael by... I love... Eleanor and Chidi in this episode, like babying Michael throughout mm-hmm. the episode as he falls into his thing. She offers to get Michael a baby. Does it does he eat babies? And as we all know, Ted Danson is a, a Democrat in, in Hollywood, so of course he eats babies. Yeah, that's how it works. Duh. <laughs> Michael is getting deep, and Eleanor tells him, You know what? You learn about death where I come from when you're a kid, and you get over it pretty early, which Cuts off the first flashback that we see. I think these flashbacks are really telling of how certain people do react to the thought of death and that they say, oh, that's just a thing that I've dealt with. I don't really think about it, but they are kind of pushing away thinking about it and acting like it's never going to happen and it's a thing that happens to other people and I just step away from it. What do you think of these flashbacks? I really think that the flashbacks are done well. Even if there's a little bit more weight to them, they're still really funny But I think that the progression through Eleanor's life at the different times that she came close to or did tackle death in her life, I think are very telling. You know, a lot of kids, the first time they hear of something or someone dying, it's a pet, it's it's a pet. Right. And then next is either a parent or a grandparent or like an uncle or a family member or something like that. Right. And then we hit a point where we start tackling our or a friend and it's and it's tough because through different ages in our lives, 
we see us as having a different amount of time left, right? When you're a kid, you're like, wow, I have like forever in front of me. Or like you don't I have even forever think until that. I'm 10. It's just inherent. Yeah. Like it's, you don't have the same thinking of time. When you're a teenager, it becomes a little more real, but you still don't really understand how fast time moves. And then you get to be an adult. And we're not even at the point where we've lived most of our life, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. yet. Fingers and, crossed. I don't know. You know it's I'm sure we in are going to have a totally different perspective in 10 years and 20 years mm-hmm. than we do now on 50 life and how long and or short it is in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, this episode deals with a lot of that well and it makes you think about it. Mm-hmm. And you just made me think of also when you're a kid or when you're a teenager, you're trying to make time speed up. Yeah, I think we're finally reaching a point and I think we're lucky to be the age we are where we're enjoying the time and we're yeah. trying to be present with it and trying to appreciate it as it comes which I know certainly people our age, much older than us, don't get to that point. Mm-hmm. Totally. So in the flashback, Eleanor's mom killed her dog. And I thought it was really good what you said, that a lot of times it is animals that's your first experience with death. Mm-hmm. And how the parents handle that with their children sets a big standard for the rest of their life. Because mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. you can be open with your child and explain, well, everything that's alive dies. And... Your dog died, and it's sad, but you can be happy for the time you had with them. And it can be a good beginning of a conversation to get them ready for when it happens in other categories of life. And Mm -hmm. Eleanor's mom just fails in every bit here. You see a lot of Eleanor in Eleanor's mom, but she's so extreme that it's just cringy and sad and really funny. It's very funny. Because I feel like, especially growing up where we grew up, we kind of know some people that had parents that weren't too far off from this which is really sad to say obviously this is like a hyper dramatized version but like it's not not that hard to picture yeah yeah which is really sad but it it rings true to how sometimes you get dealt a really shitty hand with Mm. who is raising you and sometimes there's not a lot you can do to combat that until you're older and have the perspective to take a look at it my favorite part of this flashback is when the mom's saying the point is, don't be sad. Honestly, I'll get kind of annoyed if you do get sad because it's been a very long day and that bitch Carol from work was really on my ass about some stupid thing that I don't even know what it was. And at the end of that long day, I had to use one of my favorite duffel bags to do something very gross that I did not like. <laughs> this bitch Carol from work was talking about some stuff. I don't even know what she's talking about. And I had to use one of my favorite duffel bags for something very gross. I didn't <laughs> like it. But it does paint a picture of parents that kind of need parents mm-hmm. and force their kid into that. And it's sad and funny. Yeah. Chidi talks to Michael. And he's talking to him about, oh, so you've you've realized that we're all just floating around in a desert of, of nothingness. And he tries to explain to Michael that actually his place in the afterlife is proof that that there is inherently worth and value to life. Yeah. That it does matter because everything literally had a point value attached to it. But mm-hmm. Michael turns that right back around to that proves your life mattered. I don't have a <laughs> life. All I I love his line. I torture, I get more names, I torture more. 
that type of thing. He's I I, I Oh, that bit wasn't in my episode. He gives this long spiel about in my world, we just work. We don't have any life outside of work. We don't have hobbies, we don't have homes, we don't have friends. We just torture people, get a list of new names and torture those people some more. And it's sad. Mm. It kind of makes you feel sad for Michael. That bit wasn't in yours yeah. at all. No, not at all. I think it strengthens Michael's character a little bit in that moment. I think it tells so too. you that that he's cognizant enough to know like no, I I'm thinking about this. That's why I'm depressed. I like. Or not that. even thinking of it. Just it makes you more aware of his existence. That he's always been, and his only value, his only objective, is to torture. And mm-hmm. there's even a moment here where Eleanor says, "So you don't even know if there's a bigger meaning to all of this. If there's a was that not in yours? No. That's crazy. Eleanor says to him. So you're just doing your work. You don't even know if there's like a bigger meaning, if there's a higher power to all of this. And Michael's like, I don't know. Wow, no. And I feel like that tells you so much. Yeah, it does. That's crazy. Maybe that's why they took it out because they didn't want it to be that. I don't know. I like before he goes on that one, Chidi says to him, existential crisis solved. Does your episode have that? Did you watch this episode? You did watch this episode, right? I did watch this episode. I got a B plus today. You did get a B plus. That's very true. And I don't know. This wasn't one of those episodes that I felt like it had a lot of stuff. It's interesting. Yeah. Michael has no idea what the larger purpose of the world is. I think that's a really big thing. It's crazy. Tahani, meanwhile, she really did herself with the party design. She didn't outdo herself. She did herself because this is what she always does. Chidi and Eleanor bring out and broken Michael to Tahani and Jason to show them what's going on and how they have to work around it. They call him a big bull of ennui in this moment. Mm-hmm. Which, no, no, no. They say that he's, he, Eleanor he, says he smoked a big bull of he ennui. He smoked a big bull of ennui. Which is really funny. And Jason talks about, oh, he snorted printer toner. You've still got like 70% of your brain. It's okay. <laughs> which, how many times has Jason snorted printer toner to know the percentage that it takes off each time? I don't think it's 70%, <laughs> Jason. No, not a chance. I love in this moment, as I kind of mentioned earlier, Chidi and Eleanor are really babying Michael. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, look, didn't Tahani do such a good job with the party? Come look over <laughs> here, buddy. Balloons, Eleanor says at one point. Look at the balloons. <laughs> it's really funny. But he's just talking about decay and depression mm-hmm. and death. I think he says the line, we're just corpses that haven't started to decay yet. And I'm like, mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> we do all have friends or we've been that friend that ha- have those moments for you. Have your buddy, like you said, who's going yeah. through that and is the guy that's bringing everybody down because they just realize that they're going to die one day. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, man, but look at the balloons. But look we're at the all balloons. just trying to party. Yeah. <laughs> They're worried that this Michael's going to blow their cover, which is, is a very valid point. He seems so mm-hmm. out of control. Meanwhile, Tahani thinks that they're going to be at her party any second, any time now. They're all going to leave that other party to come check out hers, unless she's sorely mistaken. And it cuts <laughs> to the really awesome, dope party for Gunner that's outside, and there's fireworks, and there's animals. Spelling letters in the air with the fireworks. All of these interactive things at the party, and Tahani says, I was sorely mistaken. <laughs> Which that party looks fucking awesome. It did look awesome. A good like of all the things that nighttime done in a good outdoor place, party. That is like probably the one that I want to be at the most. I was gonna ask of all of the animal exhibits, what are you going to first? Ooh, I feel like I don't want to start the night in the kangaroo pouch. That's where I want to finish. After I'm sufficiently <laughs> fucked up, please don't finish in the kangaroo pouch. <laughs> I exclusively can. 
but I think I would go to maybe I'd start with the flying like a falcon. I think that'd mm. be pretty fun. Get some to energy do, to out. kick off the night. Yeah, you know better than anyone. I'm a cuddle bug at heart. I mm-hmm. would spend all night in that puppy ball pit. That would be my dream. I want to do the falcon flight and then land in the puppy ball pit with just You're two You're going to decimate fistful. them. That's awful. <laughs> I'd slow down. Be puppy I just chunks have everywhere flying around. <laughs> I got some duffel bags. It's no problem. Uh, but just fistful of like printer toner. Yeah. And just have a have a party. Me and those puppies just snorting away the ink. <laughs> what about you, Zach? Are I just you told you, you I do the, the puppy, puppy one. <laughs> Were you Sorry, listening to... to me? Were you here? So, Zach, uh, how's your week been? Are you... <laughs> Vicky comes up while Michael's like trying to keep to himself and not talk to anybody. And she describes all of the cool, awesome animal things that they have at this party that Tahani didn't have at her party. And Eleanor says, Tahani, you walk around looking miserable as she has this just devastating look in her <laughs> eyes. It's like, oh, great. You're doing it just fine. And then they say, OK, we're going to take care of Michael. Where is Michael? They realize that they've lost him and he's taken off. Cut to the most iconic bit of this entire episode. Michael pulls up in a red sports car. Do you know cars well enough? Was it a specific car? It was a Ferrari. Ferrari. I think so. Either a Ferrari or Lamborghini. I think it was a Ferrari because it had a galloping horse. He's in the white suit. He's looking fly. He's got the little curl in his hair. I am just blown away from this episode top to bottom. Ted Danson's physical comedy is a man in his 70s. His Zach, demeanor, I not stop fucking laughing at his The hair. way he walks, the way he moves, <laughs> there's so many little moments that I can't wait to talk about. He comes out, he's surfing on this wave of positivity. <laughs> and he calls out Jeanette. Have you met my secretary, Jeanette? <laughs> yeah, come on out, Jeanette. And it's Janet dressed to the nines in this beautiful like oh my god i am i simped so hard the moment i saw jeanette jeanette totally could get it when when she's like without a doubt jeanette and she's like it's me it's still me janet i don't know what's happening (laughs) (laughs) eleanor thinks this is a plus Cutting to Michael showing off his tattoo. It's it's Chinese for Japan. But Chidi thinks this is worse. He's not moving through it. He's denying it mm-hmm. by, by going through this midlife crisis. Have you ever known an adult in your life be the Michael in this situation? I had a friend whose dad went through this. Tell me about it. Well, you know, without outing the person or anything, they... Uh... No, no, come on. Let's hear it. So address, um, but <laughs> name and address withheld. Their parents, I think, split up, sure. and it was one of those things where like all the kids were older, and so the parents just kind of go do whatever. And the mom got like really into like fitness and being outdoors, and the dad did not dyed his hair and then like got a sports-ish car and started trying to show up places. Like it was a whole thing, but Yikes. it's very sad. Also, sad. I work in a luxury service job, and so we get a lot of people coming in who are like trying I'm to save their marriage. My... Oh, yeah, for time. sure. Okay, so then tell me, based on people's demeanor when uh-huh. they're coming in, do you place any personal bets on whether or not the relationship is doomed? Do you put much thought into that? Absolutely, and I think I've got a perfect record of couples that come. What in are some like, of the they're gonna get? How can well, you tell? So there's one of three possibilities for a wedding couple that comes in. They either break up before the wedding. Yeah. 
they break up shortly after the wedding or they stay married. Those are the only three things that can happen when you're engaged to somebody. And I am excellent at calling the breakup before the wedding because you can usually tell if she is just picking the fuck out of him. Everything he does, she's like, he get your arms up, stand up straight. You got to lead me. And I'm like, we're still sitting at a table. Like we haven't started doing anything yet. And you can tell like some guys are like, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They're going to stay together because he's got nothing. But if they're like, you know what? You bitch. Like, that's when you know it's bad. Like, I've I've had somebody call People their fiance really fight. a bitch in a lesson before. And I was like, do you guys just want to go? Or And you mean fight. Let's <laughs> yeah. all fight right now. Yeah, like, let's throw hands. I want in. Then there's like the, the older couples that come in and they're like 50s. And they're like, oh, we never danced together, but we're giving it a try. And those kind of make me sad, but I always try my best to help ignite some fire. In my training, we were literally taught that our goal should be for them to go home and, and, fuck. and be intimate. Yeah. <laughs> and so I uh, I always try and make that the case. Sometimes I just hand them a bottle of lube and some, some molly and I say, go at it. I know you're 70, but you'll be okay. Put on some Funkadelic and just let exactly. them do the rest. Dim the lights, throw on the Sinead O'Connor. You know, can you tell when someone's compensating for having cheated? Oh, yeah. Look at this ring. Well, you can tell by how the partner is staring at every person of the same sex in the building. Like if she walks in you and she like gay. glares at every woman. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I thought I thought <laughs> you, 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 a married like, mm. and engaged straight couple. He goes and says, ladies. <laughs> you ever gotten one of those? A yes, Zach and Lil scenario. <laughs> lots, of, lots of beards coming in sometimes, and I'm like, oh no. Okay, so Eleanor is still turned off by how Michael can't get over this because she felt like she never had to get over it. She was just mm-hmm. given it. And we cut to her at her dad's funeral. Her dad dies relatively young, and her mom is there again and makes it awful. It's clear that Eleanor hasn't introduced her current boy. Like, she's close enough with this boyfriend where he's accompanying her at the funeral, but she has decidedly not introduced him to her mother yeah. before. I feel like it tells you a lot, while also not just slowing down on the jokes. The girl who plays Eleanor's mom is really funny, but it tells mm-hmm. you a lot. It's sad. Their relationship is sad. That The mom is like proud that he died and she's alive and uses it as an opportunity like to talk about how he was a fart in the shape of a man. It makes you feel really, really bad line. for Eleanor. She's mourning yeah. her dad in some way. Because how embarrassing, just in general, this whole part, like you tell... Yeah, to be you dead. You tell somebody, like, don't even Super come to the funeral, I'll be fine. And they're like, well, I care about you. I'm going to come. And then not only is the funeral have, like, six people, none of which seem to be very put together. Like, they're not necessarily, you know, dressed in a way that they're paying respect to this person. They're kind of just there because he's dead. And then you've got the mom come in, still wine glass in hand, which I think is a really funny touch. With a straw, with a bendy straw. With a straw, because she's classy. (laughs) But the whole interaction is just so, like, if I were Eleanor, I would just recede into, like, a Sean cocoon and never come out. Oh, absolutely. And she kind of did. Yeah. It's a good point. So there's that. And as Eleanor's mom leaves, she passes Eleanor's boyfriend a hotel key. Oof. I kind of got the vibes that the boyfriend wasn't totally against it. I mean, she looks great for her age. We know you, Steven. You're a mom guy. I'm a mom guy. I've slipped a few hotel keys to boyfriends at funerals. I have so many Steven hotel keys. I, I just keep mailing them, them to you and you never show up. I started scrapbooking up. with them. <laughs> I'm just there in a trench coat, nothing underneath, on top of the covers waiting for you. <laughs> Rose petals. 
The rose petals are under the cover. There's a surprise. <laughs> Not Lots that you of thorns. Know. You never. It's just full of roses. <laughs> <laughs> It's really uncomfortable <laughs> under the blankets. At the awesome party, everyone starts talking about how it's time to move to Tahani's party and see what she's got planned. But Tahani's sheepish now. She doesn't have unicorns to ride at her party. But the attention is taken away by Michael, who shows up on stage to give a speech. <laughs> okay, I know what you're thinking. Birth is a curse and existence is a prison. But don't think about that. Don't be sad, you guys. Focus on something great like Drakkar Noir. Woo! Which I am wearing a lot of tonight. Or the Sharper Image catalog. What can't those guys ionize? By the way, I am feeling amazing. I'm gonna do some push-ups. Then we'll go around the room and name our favorite cheese. Okay, that's good with the speeches. That's good. I know what you're all thinking. <laughs> Birth is a curse and existence is a prison. <laughs> It's so funny. He's he's wearing a lot of Drakkar Noir. He's getting ready to do a bunch of push-ups and make everyone name their favorite cheese. Was that in your episode? <laughs> yes, it was. And I love how excited Jason gets when that's going to happen. And then Michael like points at him, gives him like a knowing smile when he sees Jason <laughs> react to it, which I thought was funny. I mm -hmm. love the drip that this version of Michael has. It's, incre it's like Miami Vice, but on Ted Danson. And it's so <laughs> Even funny. better. Yeah. So he's giving a speech and it makes Vicky question his behavior. But when she confronts Michael, this version of Michael is so nice and complimentary and, and anti-negativity that she kind of lets it slide because it just reaffirms that she's doing a good job being in charge. As she walks away, he says, do you want to dance? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I feel like Michael is, is personifying here that person who has like a breakdown but then is like, ah, you know what? I'm better. Everything's fine. Because yeah. Michael's like, you know, I was really having a tough time with you guys taking over. But I realize it's good. It's all I'm good. good. I'm good now. with everything. Everything's, everything's fine. fine. I'm better now. <laughs> As that guy, I can tell you it's not great. <laughs> Jason here is also picking up that Tahani is actually being tortured and that she's really having a hard time. And it's just a little blip of a moment. It's really great to see how Jason, underneath all of his Jasonisms, can be really emotionally intelligent and can read people, and it's really sweet. Also, Michael's slamming Red Bull, and he's getting ready to make weekend plans with Janet. He's like, what should we do next? Let's do this. Let's do this. Jeanette, make us a Dubai. <laughs> the way he says it. <laughs> and after he does it, Michael does this fuckboy, like sticks his tongue out and bites his tongue do you know what i'm talking about yes and it's so funny it's such a funny choice for ted danson and he plays it off so well and it's just hilarious i love it's it so brilliant much. i don't know how anyone kept a straight face filming with him this because it's so different from what we think of ted danson as but it fits so perfectly. <laughs> He's like moving and grooving. Can't stop moving. Gotta Can't keep stop moving. moving. Gotta stop keep thinking. About, you think start about thinking about death. Oops. Get real set. Uh oh. I'm thinking about it. Chidi <laughs> <laughs> thinks this might be more than a book. We'll be able to snap Michael out of it. He's starting to worry. And Eleanor still doesn't get it. So we get one more flashback because Chidi says, Haven't you ever had death super affect you? And do you think that maybe the flashback with the family toothbrushes is maybe a little silly? Or does so I it? thought about this, Zach, because I was like, do I like this one as much? And here's I'm why fence. I'm going to say yes. When I was a kid and when you were a kid, there was a show that was on called Caillou. Yes. And I always hated, hated Caillou. I didn't hate ass. the show. I hated him. And I never knew why until I got older. But I resented him because he had two parents 
and a cat named Gilbert and like a, a complete family unit, which is something I always wanted as a kid, but never really had. And I hated Caillou for it. <laughs> and I never understood it until fuck I got Caillou. older. And I was like, why the fuck do I hate this poor little cancer kid? And like, it's because of the vibing. toothbrush thing. Yeah. Because you wanted to have two I parents that doted on you. Household. Did he have a sibling? Yeah, he had a little sister named Rosie. And you didn't have and any a black siblings, friend named and you didn't have any parents. Clementine. They named her after a fucking orange. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I heard someone talk about how if you're the type of person that gets emotional a lot at movies, it's not exactly a sign of you being really in touch with your emotions. It's more a sign of you've got some stuff built out and you mm-hmm. don't let it out in other ways. So that's just one of the ways you can let it leak a little bit like they Absolutely. mentioned later. And I think that's what this is. Totally. It can be a really random thing that just breaks you. Because yeah. you're so pent up with emotion and you can't handle it. I've definitely been there before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eleanor crying into the toilet plunger over the toothbrushes and the guy just, yep, nope. Yep, I don't nope. know. I thought how plain the employee, it was the bath really and body. Funny. It wasn't bath and body works. It was bed, it bath, was bed and bath and beyond. Yeah. So Eleanor confronts Michael and I really love and relate to her speech to him about humans and death and how we know about it from really early on and everyone's cool with it and everyone's kind of a little bit sad about it all the time but that we don't have any other choice and michael says that's really crappy and it is crappy but eleanor says that's all we got and you can't ignore it you've got to face it head on and i think there's so much truth to that i think going through your existential crisis and coming on the other side of it is such a powerful thing rather than just avoiding the thought of it your whole life and then all of a sudden it's gone yeah It's kind of a weird thing that we, as human beings, get so used to dealing with very major emotions and then just kind of resetting and moving on from them afterwards, which I think is healthy for us to move on. But it's kind of there's this really large amount of ambiguity and uncertainty when it comes to how long we're supposed to feel a certain way. And I think naturally as people, as much as we can think, oh, I I just have my own natural length of time that I grieve or that I'm sad or that I'm happy. It's been influenced by something that either says like, feel this or don't feel it. And it's a very interesting kind of phenomenon that we as humans all go through collectively, but don't really ever talk about. Yeah, well said. I just think that speech really works and it Mm -hmm. makes me think of my own life. And and it's one of those moments where this show that does a good job of being about the afterlife, but not being about religion and not making you think too hard about your own mortality. Mm -hmm. And this episode just kind of past all the silliness past midlife crisis michael there is a real runner here about facing mortality and how powerful it can be to come on the other side of that it's really great really great scene i think in a a smaller scale as humans because we refuse to actually tackle our own ticking clock it's like getting a dog when you get a (laughs) pet you know that you're probably going to outlive that pet and so some people don't get pets because they're like well i don't want to ever have something that i love die but at the same time you get years of happiness or however much time of happiness with and from that living creature and so it's a really creature gets a lifetime of happiness exactly out of you and it's and it's really sad and beautiful to think about that you can have such a major impact on something's entire i think about that a lot with my animals yeah yeah because you have two lovely little fur babies at home who are both (laughs) cute and sweet 
and they're such I an love important them to death, part of your life. Yeah, my time with them is limited, and mm-hmm. I think about that, and it does make me sad. But yeah. facing it and a more it helps it like just like you should with your kids, it mm-hmm. helps them get ready for the big ones, whether it's their loved ones dying or one day them dying. Do you remember you Zach for that. being a little kid the first time that you were very aware of death being a thing? No, not really. But I did have a period in my early twenties where mm-hmm. I really came to terms with, whoa, man, I'm going to have to feel the absence of life. I'm going to have to feel mm-hmm. that, and I'm going to go through that. That was something that I I got in my 20s. I was pretty jaded and pretty closed off towards it, and even still, I think I handle it well, but I might have a little bit of an Eleanor thing going on where mm-hmm. I am pushing it off a little bit. I don't know. What about you? I I, I almost said fortunately. I, uh, at a very young age, like four and younger, had a couple of older family members pass away and I remember being at their funeral at a very young age. I also was a really big land before time fan. Sure. And they tackled death a lot in that movie series. And so I was very aware of it. Well, it's about age. dinosaurs. They all, they all, they don't all don't you die. dare. Littlefoot is still fine. Zach, <laughs> don't you do that. Yeah. Land before time 45 coming to DVD <laughs> this July. Dinosaurs take, we're back. <laughs> a oh dinosaur. That was a good one. I liked it. That was a good I liked one. We're back a dinosaur story. But I think for me, it was also kind of in my early twenties, really late, late teens, having a moment where I kind of was like, Life is what it is. It's going to end at some point. But what you make of it is your experience and what you have. I'm also somebody who is of the belief that we go somewhere afterwards, wherever that may look like, but that our sentience ends up somewhere else, whether that's back in a baby or in like a, I don't (laughs) know, a cow or I'm in heaven or if I'm in the good place or I'm hanging out with Mindy Sinclair, either way. I don't think of death as being like the end all be all. And I think that at least for me and for billions of other people on the planet makes it a little bit easier of a pill to swallow. Sure. Which is why I think, you know, if people want to believe we're on a spaceship zipping around and one day we're going to go to a different spaceship, and if that helps them get through it, go for it. You know, I feel the same way. I am a little bit, uh, I'm not religious and I kind of feel like I find my spirituality in the idea that everything is limited and it does have an ending. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many people waste their time worrying about what comes after you die, that you're throwing away all of the beauty and experience that you can have right now. So that's kind of what I try to do. But I I remember being a kid and asking my mom one time, I was like, if heaven is like, really so great and it's like perfect why don't we all just like die and my mom was like huh that's a like a, a good question she's like here I think... jason here's a sparkler go play with this yeah basically but i i don't remember exactly what she told me but i remember asking that question and the response being something to the effect of well because you won't really appreciate it if you don't live and, and appreciate your life on earth first and i that always kind of stuck with me and i was like well okay i'll take it I'm, I'm for me down the for time. the ride. Let's see what yeah, we got. I'm, I'm here. Shit. Not doing anything else. <laughs> really sweet scene follows that up. Jason brings to Hani something to eat, uh, and she's just wanting to feel bad to like sit in her failure. She couldn't even avoid torture when she knows it's happening. She truly is the perfect stooge, like she said last mm-hmm. week. They're torturing me with event planning mishaps, and it's working. She's really <laughs> having her, what am I? What kind of person am I? Why is this yeah. what I'm stuck in? 
But Jason is just so sweet, and of course he makes her feel better through telling another dance crew story. Back in Jacksonville, I was in charge of a 60-person dance crew. Whenever we auditioned a new dancer, we would rate them in five categories. Dancing ability, coolness, dopeness, freshness, and smart brain. I would give you an eight in every category. Well, eight isn't bad, I suppose. I don't know. It is the best. It was a scale of 1 to 13, but 8 was highest. The scale went up and then back down like a 10. Why? It's not important. Lately, you've been really down on yourself, but you're the most amazing person I've ever met, uh, besides Michael. And he was constantly torturing us, so I'd only rank him a 10. Which is worse than an 8. That's so unnecessarily confusing. The point is, you're cool, dope, fresh, and smart-brained. I've never seen you dance, but I bet you're good. Because you're good at everything. You're awesome. Be nicer to yourself. Thank you, Jason. From one eight to another. <laughs> the Jason turn of so silly saying his five dope, smart brain. And then in the end, when he tells Tahani, you are dope and fresh and smart yeah. brain. It's sweet. And, and it I've goes never from seen you silly dance, to but sweet I you so pretty fast. good at it because you're good at everything. And I think that's so sweet and special. And it be nicer kind of to yourself yeah. is a big one too that he tells her. And we could all be a little nicer to ourselves. And Tahani should too. And I just wrote in my notes, this is sweet. Yeah, it, it was such a... I think there have been several times throughout the show already where Jason's heart kind of shines through, even when he like puts his hand on Michael's chest that one time because mm -hmm. he sees that he's like really freaking I out. I see now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think that Jason is such a kind-hearted person, and yeah, he's not very smart, but he's very sweet at his core, and he doesn't want people to be sad. He wants everyone to be happy and want to party all the time, and that comes from a place of love, and I think that he's exactly the, the friend that Tahani needed here because anyone else would have tried to reason with her or logic, but Jason's like, hey, you're dope. You're a perfect 8 out of 13. You're cool. Yeah. Like, Be nice to you. Like, You're really great. Why would you not be nice to you? And Tahani saying as one 8 to another is really sweet. <laughs> Really nice. We're going to talk just a second longer about them in just a second, mm -hmm. how we feel about where this episode leaves those two characters. But before that, there's an ethics class scene, and Chidi is going over the torture notes that Michael's written up for them. Michael's back to himself, and he has a nice moment where he tells Eleanor that he's really grateful that she was there to help him get out of it now that he doesn't have to pretend that he's torturing them. He can mm -hmm. tell that to her. It's really nice. And he has some gained sympathy for humans. He has new perspective of what they have to go through and how much pressure and how difficult being alive and just the all of it can be and how he's sympathetic for it now, which is nice. And there's a little thing here where they ask him about his age. I don't think the always joke is the best thing, but I love how many new angles we get on Michael's existence and what he actually oh, is. Oh, the in age thing wasn't in really my nice. episode. He's like, so how old are you? And he's like, well, it's hard to explain. Okay, well, I guess I can tell you this. On my birth certificate, it just says always. Ah, yeah, it wasn't in mine. You know what I mean? It, I like that they're talking about stuff like that. I actually don't think that him joke. thanking Eleanor is in mine either. It just starts the scene that was a nice with, moment too. Uh, with Chidi reading the notes because Eleanor's response to him is, really, after I like saved almost saved you from an existential coma, this is what you say about me? Hmm. Then after that, in this cut of the episode, they talk about moving on to a book called Death and how it's going to be mm -hmm. a beach read after all they've been through. That's the end of that scene. Cut to a really abrupt 
cliffhanger and a different type of cliffhanger. I was right a few weeks ago. I think there's another Michael Sadboy episode, isn't there? That ends with them having like a party outside the four or five of them. Maybe. Is this that is the this Michael episode? Sadboy episode I, I think, think about. I think it's this episode. I think I have two that I'm mixing together. But I think this episode also qualifies as a little bit of a cliffhanger, but mostly a happy, nice ending. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Two of the five people have a kind of cliffhanger ending. It's a cliffhanger, but not in the, oh my God, now one of them's going to go to the bad place kind of way. It's a cliffhanger in like a friend's kind of way. And what it is is that Jason and Tahani hooked up. We cut to them in bed. And of course they did. They had great sex with each other. Of course they did. They're both pretty. Jason's Mm -hmm. stupid, so you know that the boy can pound. (laughs) He's got nothing better to do than be good at it. His mind is on that alone. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jason is very Jason about it. He's very nice. He's very chill. He's going to make Tahani cereal. But the episode kind of ends with Tahani thinking, what does this mean? Let's talk yeah. about this. Because she keeps trying to cuts. say like, hey, we, we should probably we should discuss. Talk about this. Let's discuss. Let's. It's a weird development because they build up to it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And we loved Jason and janet as a couple so much last season and it's not even been referenced this season so far no so how do you feel about jason and and tahani do you think it just works as a hookup or do you think it's like a love connection it's a hookup yes but it's one that i get i think it's earned i think that jason being there for tahani and for them being there's some physical attraction there and this episode created a little bit of emotional attraction which is all they needed to give the green light i did immediately though remember after the episode i let out a big oh no and <laughs> danny was like what's wrong and i was like i just remember when janet finds out about this the like oh i don't remember that oh we'll oh, get to that that's yeah. probably not next week maybe the week it's after. not it's still a couple weeks after i think but there's some really good stuff coming with janet involving this storyline and I think it's really smart and really well done and makes smart brand fresh. Yeah. Dope. Dope. Dancing. I agree with you. It really sets up things nicely. It makes you a little sad because you want Jason and Janet mm-hmm. to find each other, but they build it up nicely and you do feel like a sense of there's always a relief when like two attractive people on a show finally hook up with each other. Yeah. Like, oh, God, finally. It just feels right. But it, mm-hmm. it's a little complicated. And that's where the episode ends. I think it's a really great episode. It's another gapping two moments in the season together type episode. But I think I like these episodes in season two more than I liked the bridge gapping episodes in season one by quite a bit. I think this is my favorite Michael episode. Ted Danson is so funny all over this thing. That makes it one of my favorite episodes on its own because it's the episode where Michael really truly goes crazy for the first time yeah and it's so good and it's a different kind of brilliance than the season one finale yes from ted danson it just shows the range that he has as an actor and it's performer, such a good character crazy. for him he gets to do so many things with his character and he nails all of them yeah but that's this episode next week we'll talk about the trolley problem which is which an episode I think i'm really is a excited five about possibly of the possibly whole series as episode. top five potential but before we finish up on existential crisis for good it's we've run a little long this has been fun we've really yeah. dove deep into this one and i really enjoyed it who goes to the good place and who goes to the bad place this week starting with the bad place for me i think it's going to be eleanor's mom 
seems like the right answer for me because she's just deplorable and just so vapid and unaware and and destructive. Eleanor's mom. That's a great choice and that's probably the right choice. I wasn't clever enough to think of that when I was watching the episode. I just like finished the episode and wrote my two instantly and was like, I'm sticking with it. Um, My bad place was Vicky this week. Hmm. I think Vicky is doing a really good job of torturing Tahani and Mm -hmm. made her very, very sad as well as being kind of mean to Michael too when he's you know, trying to help her yeah. torture to some degree. And I think Vicky's is demonstrating bad place behavior big time this week. But the worst person in the episode is definitely Eleanor's mom. Well, you keep it going. Tell me who your good place is. Who did so, you saddle with? As much as I'd like to give Michael something this week, I don't think that his behavior is particularly good or bad on either end. I think that this week, Jason's kindness throughout the episode, especially at the end, got him the good place for me. I agree. I it's think Jason. that Jason was so sweet. Jason's gone from being the guy who is sure he's charming and how silly he is, but he's actively causing damage to Tahani in the first mm-hmm. season to just being the most lovable doof he could possibly be. Yeah. I love Jason in this season. Manny Jacinto is so funny, and we get to see the sweet side of him this week, and he's very sweet, whether it's in a romantic way or just in a, a platonic bringing up his fellow humans way. Mm-hmm. I love Jason, and I think he gets a lot of points this episode where he's gotten a lot of bad points in the past. So yeah. Jason, good place for me as well. Absolutely. Love Jason. I think that we didn't necessarily talk about how sweet it was, but even when he gets originally paired off with Tahani to go be with her when she's preparing the party, he kind of has the energy of like the significant other that goes with you to try on clothes. Uh, He totally does. Yeah. And it's like, you're doing a great job. That's great. Yeah. No, she would look bad in that dress or he couldn't pull that off. That's kind of how you are, isn't it? I could see you doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Well, that's Existential Crisis. Next week, we're going to be back to talk about the trolley problem. It's been a lot of fun. Guys, patreon.com slash can't disappoint podcast. You can get our 70s show rewatch podcast, our live pre-show every week, and the extra not ones content that's only available on Patreon. Go check that out. Email us, timeknifepod at gmail.com to get your voice heard on our show. Do it. Steven, where else can the people find us? If you can't necessarily help us pay our bills, 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 but you want to <laughs> come see what we do. I was free that. for a moment. I hadn't I know, thought I about it in a right while. Back in. It's back. I've only been thinking about it the whole podcast. <laughs> it's a great song. It's, it's a right? phenomenal it's really tune. Desi shot us some good music. Survivor also is really good. <laughs> if you want your child to be our destiny, mm. then come follow us over on Twitter and Instagram like over at Time Knife Pod. Uh, we're also on YouTube. If you want to see the video accompaniment of this podcast, go search the name of the the show. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. Into the we're... Time Knife there on you YouTube. Go. Search it. Thanks Search for listening. It. Thanks for being a part of the show. We love you very much. It's such a, a joy to get to do this every week, to hang out with my buddy and hang out with you, the listener. I hope you join us next week. Steven, get us out of here, for Christ's sake. From inside the time knife. Black Lives Matter. I'm Zach. I'm Steven. And we'll see you next time. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? Can you pay my I have to say, okay, so obviously Destiny's Child is number one. Glee is number two. The Glee version of Bills, Bills, Bills is pretty good. And They Might Be Giants is great, but it's number three. Do I play the Destiny's Child version? Yes. All right. I think it might be really funny if you play the Glee version, but the Destiny's Child version, I think, will have greater impact. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Someone to help me out Instead of a scrub like you Who don't know what I'm at about 